Dwine's World with Dwayne Russell. Hello and welcome to Dwayne's World. Great to have your company wherever you might be listening around the planet. It's midday madness time. You call, you get on. Can't wait to take your calls for the next couple of hours. Anything in the world of sport you'd like to chat about. And Ram from East Burwood's on the line already to talk some AFLW. So one three hundred seven three six seven three six is the open line number. If you'd like to join us for the next two hours before Mitchell Stark joins us after 2 o'clock, Simon Hill to have a chat to us after 2 o'clock as well. You can send through your texts as well on the 40 Winks Temper text, 0433981116. The all-new Temper, T-E-M-P-U-R, Temper Pro, Temper's most adaptive mattress ever is here. Temper mattresses like no other. You can check out the Temper range at your local 40 Winks. But send through your texts, and I'll read a heap of those out, 0433 98 11 16. But it's Talkback Radio. Laugh having a chat to you. So dial the number and we'll get you on for the next couple of hours. Uh, heaps I'd like to get to. Just been talking to Jared Whateley about the Andrew McDonald chat about, uh, well, Andrew McDonald, Australian cricket coach, told Jared Whateley today that it's not locked in that Dave Warner opens for Australia in the first of three tests against Pakistan, starting in Perth in just over two weeks. But Look, I think most of us believe that Warner's going to open in Perth, that it's just going to happen. He wants the three tests as a farewell tour and to retire from test cricket after the third test is done in Sydney. And in Warner's favour is the fact that Cam Bancroft, Marcus Harris, Matt Renshaw haven't kicked the door down and kicked Warner out by pressurising the selectors. But Jared thinks there's a chance that he doesn't open in that first test. Do you really think Andrew McDonald's going to drop Warner from the first test for Perth I, I don't think so but Jared watches more cricket than I and uh, he has a, a closer ear to what's going on than I um, so yeah he's played that game Andrew McDonald it's not locked in yet so we'll wait and see um, the big one to me is what happens if he fails in Perth I think he plays in Perth but what happens if he fails gets seven and nine what do they do then for Boxing Day which is the second test and then for the SCG which is the big farewell test he wants. But your thoughts on that, and I'll play you the Andrew McDonald piece very shortly. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. If you've got a thought or you heard that interview. But Ram and East Burwood's going to kick us off with something completely different. Welcome to you, Ram. Hello, mate. Um, I'm so ex- how are you today, mate? I'm great. Um, I'm really excited about North Melbourne women um, getting into the grand final this year. I'm hoping... Emma Carney plays well and all the others play well. And also, I reckon if David Warner gets, gets, doesn't get a score in, the, in these test matches, I reckon they should drop him. Well, they might. It sounds like there might be a sneaky chance to drop him anyway. I don't think it's a snowflake's chance in hell that they'll drop him for the first test. In Perth, but uh, at least Andrew McDonald was leaving that door open for a Cam Bancroft or Marcus Harris or Matt Renshaw or something to change. And the elevation or getting Cam Green into the team is the one that Jared Whateley thinks could be the big variable that keeps one around. Yeah, be a gutsy move to drop him. Be a huge move. Ram, uh, great to have you call. Just on the AFLW, uh, yeah, it's, do you think it's going to be... It should be great for the overall club if North Melbourne can get this flag ram. It'll give the, the boys a kickstart too, won't it? Yes, it will. Yes, it will. I'm very excited for them and also very excited for Emma Carney, hopefully to win a premiership for them as well because she won a premiership at the Bulldogs as well. She's a star, Ram. Great to have you on. Uh, if you didn't hear Mon Conti earlier on, she was on breakfast today 
on SEN. She suggests that North Melbourne, well, she said, I'm not sure she meant to say have it in the bag, but she said have it in the bag this week's grand final against Brisbane. Here's Montcotti on who's going to win the grand final. I think North Melbourne have it in the bag. I think they're due for a grand final win. They've been in finals probably nearly every year or close to. So they've got a great group. Um, They've been together for a really long time. Um, And Brisbane, they're just a team that just fight. They're a hungry team. They're a fast team. Um, So they're going to be tough to beat, but I think it'll be a really interesting game. I think the way to stop Brisbane is stop their run early. Um, They're really fit and they love speed. So if you stop that... And North Melbourne have some great ball winners in Ashradale, Jazz Garner, Mia King. Um, You've got Emma Carney in there too. So I think they're going to be pretty unstoppable against Brisbane. Mon Conti there on North Melbourne winning the grand final in her mind. She won the best and fairest or the AFLW Brownlow, if you like, last night. Zali Goldsworthy is going to join us later in the program. The Giants leading goal kicker and the rising star of the year in the AFLW competition. So we'll have a chat to Zali later on in the program. He's to give away as well. We've got some Signet Boost power banks valid at $44.95. A Signet Boost power bank will keep your phone, tablet and earbuds powered 24-7. If you didn't hear Andrew McDonald on the Dave Warner selection philosophy saying that it's not locked in just yet, uh, here it is. And your thoughts on... Whether he is 100% certain to play in Perth, and what do they do if he fails there? Or could they drop him in the next couple of days? Here's Andrew McDonald, Australia's cricket coach. Is Dave Warner going to be opening the batting in the Pakistan series? That'll all be decided later this week. What goes into that decision? Uh, like any other decision, working out who the best player is for, the, for that position at that point in time and... Uh, I think with test cricket, it's really clear. You don't necessarily need to future-proof things too much. I think with a you know a cycle, uh, with a World Cup one-day cricket or T20, there, there's an element of, okay, what, what are we looking for to build to get to that grand final? Uh, whereas we see every test, test match is important um, in terms of yeah, the direction of, of Australian cricket. So there's seven tests between now and India next year, which looks like the feature series. Um do these three tests play a role in progressing to them or in what you've just said, are these just sort of isolated series? I think they're isolated series for me. I think every test match you, you sit down as a selection panel and you, you work out your best team and, and, and you go from there. So that's the bowling attack, that's the batting, the wicket-keeping. Every decision is in isolation for each test match and I think that's the way test cricket should be. Pick your best team at that point in time. There's no doubt that you will have a younger player from time to time that people will think that needs to play or get exposure to play. Um, but I think a lot of that always takes care of itself. Andrew McDonald, so do you think there is a chance? Uh, and what do they do if he fails in Perth? Dave Warner wants to have a farewell tour. So you've got a couple of guys that well kind of been knocking on the door for a while but not kicking it down. Uh, Harris, Bancroft, Renshaw. Shield games are starting today. Renshaw's Queensland are playing Bancroft's WA at the Gabba. Queensland batting first. So Renshaw has opened with Burns and is currently 12 not out. Uh, we won't see Bancroft until a WA bat. Uh, Harris's Victoria playing SA in Adelaide. No play yet due to rain. So no coin toss decision. The other big one is the PM's 11, which happens next week, the first week of the BBL. So the PM's 11 game, they're all playing in that. And Jared did ask Andrew McDonald if it's a bat-off at the PM's 11. Uh, the fact that it's next week and they have told us that they're going to make a decision on Warner in the next couple of days means that, well, would they dare drop him and leave it up to the Harris-Renshaw-Bancroft bat-off of the PM's 11 
for the other opening spot alongside Usman Kawaja. Here's Andrew McDonald on that. What are we to interpret? Is the PM's game a bat-off between Renshaw, Harris and Bancroft? I think it's another opportunity for, for them to, you know, what potentially is a, is a slightly higher level than Shield cricket um, in, in terms of an Australia A or a Prime Minister's 11 game against a, a good opposition. Uh, yeah, so we'll, we'll see where they're at. And, yeah, it won't be the be and an end all. We know that they're good players. They've played Test cricket before and, yeah, all three are, are coming again. There it is, Andrew McDonald. There, your thoughts. One three hundred seven three six seven three six is the open line number. Send through your text as well. Uh, don't agree with you for once. Why not? Kawaja, Head, Labashane, Smith, um, and uh, Mitch Marshall, Green. Uh, why not? That's from uh, a texter with no name on it. And uh, Mitchell Stark, by the way, is going to join us a little bit later on the program to talk more cricket. Uh, one here, Warner should definitely be dropped. Red ball form is very poor. We need to find a long-term replacement. Well, that's what they're about to find. But Warner wants to go out his own way and play the entire series, the three-test series. It's first test against Pakistan starts December 14, so it's a couple of weeks away. Second test against Pakistan is the Melbourne Boxing Day test. And then that third test, which starts in the early New Year in, in Sydney against Pakistan, which he wants as his farewell game. Uh, Jared's cricket selection opinion isn't always uh, correct. E.G. Boland for the Ashes. Thanks for that. A couple of texts coming through on that as well. Um, keep your texts coming through on that 40 Winks Temper text. The all-new Temper Pro Temper's most adaptive mattress ever is here. Temper mattresses like no other. One here on the text as well from Mike from yesterday as well. Uh, about the W, about the AFLW. It comes down to skill level with the AFLW. It's hard to watch. Let's not tiptoe around it. I love watching the women's BBL cricket as their skill level is elite. We had a few texts yesterday on the AFLW situation. Mon Conti weighed into it today as well. So she was asked what next for the AFLW. What's needed for the AFLW to improve? Is it more games? And she said, no, it's actually more people watching. What do they do to get more people watching in the AFLW? Here's Mon Conti on what the AFLW needs next. I think we're growing slowly. Um, I see, you know, obviously we're going to get some more games here and there, but I think what we really need is people watching. We need people watching our games. We need people um, showing more interest. We need more bums on seats, people putting our games on the tally, and I think that's probably going to be the start into helping um, AFL women grow. So I think that's where we've got to begin. Montconti this morning. So what do they do? What do they do? Can't put a party hole in like uh, they have at the golf to have a drinking hill maybe, the Bay 13, the Adelaide Hill. They're not going to do that. Do they have more in-break entertainment, more dancers, more mascots, etc., like the NBL did to try and draw some more people? Do they play more games at boutique three to 5,000-seat venues? Uh, whereas the girls want to play more games at Docklands and more AFL venues. But do you take more games to... Shepparton and Warrnambool on Bendigo. Is the timing of the games an issue? Should they play on Wednesday nights or a Thursday night game or a Monday night game? Is the timing of the season an issue? Uh, if you play it side by side with the AFL men's, the AFL men's are going to get all the publicity and the AFL women's won't get as much. But the timing of the season right now means it is up against the WBBL and it is up against the WNBL which are drawing bigger crowds. So what do they do to draw bigger crowds? Your thoughts on that as well? Grab out to your calls for Midday Madness. Mon Conti, who won the AFLW Best and Fairest, the competition's Best and Fairest award last night at the AFLW Awards. She said the next thing that the AFLW 
needs to do is to get people at venues and get more eyeballs watching TVs at home. How do they do it? Raf in Meadow Heights, Russell and Reservoir will come to you first. Uh, welcome to you, Raf. Thanks for holding. Right, how you going, buddy? Good. Um, look, uh, the ladies' game, even though there are some very, very skilled footballers there, I think that's lacking the skills, the lack of scoring. Um, that needs to improve, and I think it really comes on safe, that's for sure. So the skill level, that's the only thing, Raf, which is more training time, although I've been arguing that I think even, well, I played in the semi-professional slash moving into the professional era of AFL. I played when I first came to Geelong in the VFL and then it evolved into the AFL. And when I went out, it was the AFL competition and it was pretty much fully professional. Then we're all getting paid uh, the equal of a a medium wage uh, in Australian society when we were leaving the game when I was done. You did the extra so you didn't do the hours you were paid to do. You did extra on top. And the more deficient you were with skills, the more you actually did in your spare time. And and there wasn't a lot of science in it back then. You just ran your backside off until you threw up and you practiced on your non-preferred side. You know, I had to hire squash courts to kick with my left and handball with my left to myself over summer. So, you know, you do the extra. Maybe a few of the AFLW players might just have to find the time to do the extra, even though they've got other jobs as well. The skill level improving is a big part of it, Raf. But the the girls who are great, they stand out big time. And some of the overhead marking has been a lot better this year. Uh, appreciate your call, Raf, and thanks for kicking off that discussion. Russell in Reservoir, you got a thought? What do the AFLW do? Well, I have to make it <clears throat> less of a coach's game and more of a player's game. I mean... I used to watch the women's uh, games every year for, for years, and this year I haven't watched them at all because I sit down in front of the screen and all I see is a great heap of tackles. Uh, you know, it's just a totally congested game. It's lost what it had. I don't think it's improved at all. I think the coaches have got total control of it. Uh, the players can't show their real skills, and those who don't really have the skills are being shown up. So... Uh, it's uh, it's disappointing because they could be doing so well. But all I see when I watch it, I used to watch it all the time. Now I just don't I don't watch it at all because I mean just look at last week's finals. Uh, four goals were winning schools uh, and five goals you know for finals. So it's just a, it's a tackle fest nowadays. And why on earth don't they do something about changing the rules? I don't know. It's crazy. Russell, you've got, a, you've got a signet boost power bank coming your way. I 100% agree with you. It's the main thing that I took away from the last two weekends of watching intensely to try and work out what they could do. And, and they tackle so well. It is a tackle fest. And unfortunately, it's coached to be that. I, I've been annoyed with coaching in the AFLW for a while. I think they should spend more time on skill level and less time on tackling. But... It's a tackle game. Let's stop everybody else. Let's play it defensively. It was a super flood as well. Craig Starsevich is a super coach in the AFLW, but guess what happened in the last quarter of that game against Geelong? Super flood. Everyone wasn't just a kick from the ball. Everyone was almost a handball from the ball. So that's what they do. They congest it. They make it a tackle fest. Pay a damn free kick in the last quarter. That would have helped. That game between Brisbane and Geelong last week, uh, the umpires put the whistle away and refused. Pay a few in the backs because there's a lot of tackles that end up in the back. 
but they just don't want to do that. So I'm with you. Change the rules, or at least interpret the rules correctly. If the tackle falls into someone's back, it's in the damn back. If they don't handball correctly and it doesn't hit a fist, then it's a throw. Pay them more often. Russell, I'm with you 100%. You've got a Signet Boost Power Bank available at 44.95. A Signet Boost Power Bank will keep your phone, tablet, and earbuds powered 24-7. That would be a big improvement. Robin Tarnett, you got a thought? What can you, Rob? Oh, hi, Dwayne. How are you going? Good. Um, that's the way. Um, yeah, I agree totally. Um, I was just about to say, that was the Geelong game against Brisbane the other night. That's the first game I've watched entirely um, over the last, you know, five years. And I, I loved it. To be honest, I loved it. But I think they pay more free kicks guys. Who, you know, I don't want to bag the umpires because they, you know, they're doing it off. But I think they need to pay more free kicks because there were too many stoppages. Yeah. You just touched on there. Just pay the free kick and the game will flow flow a lot more. And I think then you'll get more um, more eyeballs watching. Because I, I loved it. But yeah, the skill level was a little bit down because of the uh, all the scrimmages and stoppages. There you go. Well, if the head of the Players Association, Patrick Dangerfield, is tweeting, pay a free kick, uh, why don't you pay holding the ball? Well, there's a problem. The head of the Players Association is tweeting an issue about the umpiring, and it needs to, it needs to improve, Rob. Now, I'm with you. I don't, want to, I don't want to have a crack at the umpires either, but they could pay more free kicks, and I think, I think it has become a bit of a tackle fest. There's a text here they don't tackle. It's not that they tackle well. It's because the skill level is such... Well, they don't have the leg speed to get out of stoppage. But I think Nina Morrison... Um, they, they did have the skill level to get out of stoppage, but they just keep getting shut down by the ability to tackle so well, I think. And there's got to be more free kicks paid for those tackles that are illegal. So, yeah, Rob, great to have the discussion. And the lines are full on this, which so is great news for the AFLW because there's a lot of people who do want to watch it. And that's what they need. More people watching it, and more people will watch it if there are some tweaks, perhaps. Kevin in Carrum Downs, welcome to you, Kevin. Yeah, yes, g'day, Dwayne, how are you? Look, Good. I've been sort of following the game a little bit up until last year. When I found the grand final last year, and I've seen uh, there was only four goals in total kicked, hmm. which is ridiculous. But nobody's watching the game on TV. That, and I was going to write down the, the crowds... Uh, that go every go every week. Well, when there's hardly any crowds, they don't put they don't advertise how many people are there. You would get getting between one and three thousand people, I suppose. I don't know how they can how how they and half of those people don't even pay. Um, that's you know nobody's going. They, they're trying mm. everything to leave to keep this going. It's just not going to happen. Well, I think it will happen in time, Kevin. I think it will happen in time. They're not going to scrap it. Um, it's it's a competition that is here to stay and should be here to stay and probably, unfortunately, should have been here 20 years ago and then we might not be having this debate because it's still in its first decade of existence. But uh, they're, not, they're going to keep it going. They just need to find out how it's going to be better quicker. Uh, John on the road, you there, John? Yeah, thank you, Dwayne. Uh, yeah, look, I've watched a fair bit of the women's game of late and I've got to say, look, uh, before I get on to the negative, the tackle, from a tackling point of view, it's unbelievable. I mean, it's actually, it's nearly a, a above the men's. I mean, they, they tackle like animals. But unfortunately, it doesn't provide a good spectacle. And, and there were some rules 
um, they were going to take uh, place. There was going to be some rules changes, but the women came in and, and said that they didn't want less 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 women on the ground. They didn't want any um, any changes to aesthetically to the game. Well, that, that's that's going to work against them because I mean, you know, all for equality, but unfortunately, physically, they are not able to cover the ground like men do. So, and, and obviously, they haven't got the skills yet. So, there need to be some changes, less people on the ground, and and, and yet definitely do something to to decongest the game because, like you said, the the players that have actually got some skill really, really stand out there because there's some some really skillful players, but, but there's a lot there that, uh, that really gets shown up. So, um, yeah, look, they've got, to be, they've got to take some responsibility and allow the governing body to change the rules and, and you know, give that pride away. Just, you want people to come and watch you play, change the rules. Appreciate your call and, yeah, reducing the amount of players on the ground. Look, a lot of teams are good enough, skillful enough to play the kick mark game these days, at least the best teams in the competition. But it's not a it's not a three kick transition from fullback to score. It's a four or five kick transition because they don't kick as far with their passing. They can pass brilliantly thirty meters, but uh, normally the passing is is twenty to twenty five, and they hit the targets pretty well most of them. But then it makes it a five kick, almost a six kick transition to score as opposed to the men, which can you know be three or four. Lockie and Beechworth, you got a thought on this? Welcome to you, Lockie. Yeah, Dwayne, thanks for having me. Um, look, I'm an AFL Lions member, men and women. Um, I've got two daughters that love the game. We'll be making an eight-hour round trip Sunday to go to the game because it'll just it'll just make my my daughter's day. There's less players on the ground. On the ground, there's shorter games. I think we all just need to sit back and take time and allow the game to grow. You know, it takes investment, and you know, I tell you what. The games that we've been to against Hawthorne St Kilda in Victoria as an AFL Lions fan, the players have been just... You could not expect more of them. They engage face-to-face with our children. You know, they're so thankful. I think in the lead-up to a grand final, in a, if it was the, the men's game, we wouldn't be talking about the negatives of the game. We'd be mm. talking about players. We'd be talking about talking points, you know, potential matchups. You know, like, I think we've really got to get off our high horses and allow it to grow and appreciate that it's at the start and it's only up from here. Appreciate your call, Lockie. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. If you'd like to join this discussion, Mon Conti's put it on the agenda last night. The Well, essentially, the Brownlow medalist in the AFLW comp last night said the big progression has to be more people watching. How do they do it? Andrew and Nidri's got a thought before we take a break for the news. Welcome to you, Andrew. Yeah, it goes, Wayne. Look, Dwayne, I, I just think it's it will take time. It's like the GWS and the Gold Coast, where nobody's going to those. Go- well, I say nobody, but the crowds there are very low, and it takes time to develop a, a following. But I, I do agree with the other calls. It, it's the um, it's I've been watching the girls' game or women's games for a number of years now, and um, I just think the umpires who are not giving the free kicks when they should be are, are causing congestion. And also the promotion of the game. I, I don't think it's been promoted well enough by the TV channels either or the AFL. I think a lot more promotion could go into it. And is there a cost factor involved here too? Because remember when, the, when it was free to get in and you had fairly big crowds going in, as soon as the AFL started to charge for the product, there was a drop-off. 
So maybe people are basically, you know, maybe shy to open their wallets and purses, you know, to, to actually go to games because it's, you know, the cost of living is, is there and people are making their choices, um, you know. Um, you might be way. right on that. I mean, they could make it free again. You're right on that. It could be free entry, especially to the big venues. I mean, Icon Park for the grand final is a sellout already, sold out within hours. So it's already a sellout. But for the big venue games, maybe they should make it free because there are a lot of games where there's people on the broadcast side, but the outer side looks empty and that's a bad look for the TV. I thought the AFL could have spent more on the promotion of the AFLW finals during the draft coverage as well. And, you know, Fox did its own promotion on it, but there could have been a lot more around draft time to promote the AFLW as well. Uh, I'll read a heap of your texts out after the break. Kipton coming, 0433981116. But if you've got a thought on this, how can the AFLW improve itself? Uh, more boutique, 3,000 3, uh, venue games, maybe, um, rather than playing at big venues. But the girls do want to play at the big venues. Take it to more country towns like Shepparton and Warnable and Bendigo. Could there be a better timing of games? on TV to entice people to watch it more. But I'm with all of those callers, and it's my first thought from the last couple of weekends of watching as well. It's a tackle fest, and they do need to fix it by paying more free kicks. And one here, uh, Dangerfield was tweeting as a Geelong person, not as the AFLPA president. Yet on his Twitter, Patrick Dangerfield does say, the thoughts that I tweet are my own, but he's always the Players Association president, regardless of whether he tweets as himself that's his thought, and he is the AFL-PA president, by the way. Grab into your calls and texts. One here on the text, AFLW, make it free to enter. Charge five bucks a beer, $2 a pile. Let the fans go on the ground after the game for a kick-to-kick. Turn it into a bit of a carnival atmosphere. It is like that at many AFLW games. Maybe they can actually parlay that into more of a carnival atmosphere. Thanks for your text, Smurf. One here. Of course Dangerfield has got to tweet Geelong deserve a free kick. He plays for them. He wouldn't tweet if Brisbane deserved one. Steve in Ferntree Gully. Yeah, I watched that game, Steve. Patrick Dangerfield was right. I I thought the problem with the umpiring, and there was 20-odd free kicks paid in that game, but one in the last quarter. I mean, give me a break. Paying one in the last quarter. And I think the, uh, the umpires in that game made a rod for their own back by not paying Brisbane the free kicks they deserved early in the quarter. And then when Geelong deserved the free kicks in the second half of the last quarter, they couldn't pay them because they hadn't paid them to Brisbane earlier on. Just pay the damn free kicks if they're there and pay the in the backs more often uh, to reduce this tackle fest we've got right now. Stephen Geelong's got a thought. Welcome to you, Steve. Dwayne, how are you, mate? Good. Um... Just with yeah, with the AFLW, I just I you watch the games and as you said before, there's so many kicks before they can kick a score. So why not play on smaller ground so they can actually penetrate and a it leads to more scores. Yeah, so Steve, let's just run this theory in the men's game then. Do you think there's more scoring in the men's game when they're played on smaller grounds? The smaller grounds like Marvel Stadium in comparison, because smaller grounds means more congestion, which means sometimes it's easier to congest and make it harder to score for coaches. Yeah, look, that, that is, uh, yeah, you can't disagree with that. But the women can have a shot at goal 25 metres out and they can't make the distance, which is, I get that, they're, they're built differently. But mm. if it was a smaller ground, they could get the ball out of the centre, get it to centre-half forward and then kick up, have a shot at goal. 
Yes, yeah, Steve, they could do that if they played on smaller grounds and reduced it from 18, or sorry, 16 now, reduced it from 16 to 14 maybe. Now 14 aside, but the equality side of things, uh, how many players are involved, then all of a sudden you're playing on smaller grounds, it's not quite the same. Now, I would like, I think smaller grounds is a good idea, but you'd need less players on it. Otherwise it will just become easy to congest, as it was for Craig Stasovich and the Lions in that last quarter on the weekend. Gary and Taylor's Lakes, you there, Gary? Hey, got two points. Um, one is with the congestion. Uh, I like it from the sense my team, Hawthorne's on a new side. Because they tackle hard, it's a closer game. You open it right up, the Melbournes and the Brisbane's will be winning by kicking 20 goals to Hawthorne one goal. So that's one point. The, mm. and the other point is, how many people can you fit into Icon Park? As you said, told me it's a sellout, you mentioned. Yeah. Um, and so when Hawthorne Essendon played their very first game in the comp, they had to move the game. They moved it to uh, Etihad Stadium and got a good crowd. So here is an opportunity. If Icon Park is too small, can we move it somewhere else? Can we move it to Etihad or we've got a problem with the BBL wickets there? What can we do? Can we move it to a bigger venue? It'll be nice, Gary. Maybe it's too late now. They don't do it now, but they should have had the foresight to do it, perhaps, because they do have that opportunity with the flexible venueing, uh, venue um, locking down. That uh, that what I suppose, if the Lions had won the right to host it, it would have been on their small venue at home. It wouldn't have been at the Gabba. If the Adelaide Crows had won the right, it probably would have been at Norwood Oval, not the Adelaide Oval. But I'm happy to be corrected on that. But Robbie Williams played there last night in Adelaide, so I'm not sure the Adelaide Oval would quite be ready with cricket coming up as well as to whether they'd be able to play there. But you're right about maybe they should have moved this to a bigger venue and allowed more people to get in and make it more of a spectacle. Always love your company for Midday Madness for Work Locker, Karen Downs and Packingham Unlock, stocked and full of value. Workwear for wherever you work. Visit worklocker.com.au. You call, you get on. That's the Midday Madness promise. Heading back to your calls and your texts. In fact, a couple of texts on the way to the calls. One here, agree. Not enough free kicks given when they were there. One stage, a Brisbane player threw the ball in the last quarter. Jack in Geelong. And again, there were throws. There were free kicks Brisbane should have got early in that last quarter that weren't paid either. Uh, and one here that makes a pretty good point, and I noticed this as well. AFLW, the players have learnt to accept the tackle and collapse their body. So there is no holding the ball paid. They're not even attempting to dispose. Whereas uh, been trying to get the ball out with quick hands... Uh, the women need more clearance drills and quick hands. It is not acceptable to just bottle it up and have ball up after ball up. They do simply have a ball up and allow the players to collapse and accept the tackle. I agree with you on that. Another one here, Dangerfield should be fined for his comments. You know what? Patrick Dangerfield should be fined and also given a medal for his honesty because that was exactly what needed to be said. Um, Bill, on the road, welcome to you, Bill. I'll... Yeah, good afternoon, Dwayne. Thanks, mate. Um, love your show. First time caller. Um, on the topic, um, Dwayne, of um, promoting the um, the women's game and um, getting more more bums on seats, mate. Um, I'm just um, I'm just really I've got a statement and a, and a question, a sort of thing. Um, last night, the um, the actual best and fairest. I'm just uh, last year it was on. Um, free to air and uh, last night you couldn't see it unless you had uh, paid TV and um, it just sort of baffles me if uh, they want bums on seats and uh, they want to promote the game and um, you know the Brownlow's free to air why wouldn't 
why wouldn't the um, the women's awards uh, be on on free to wear? Yeah, well, it just depends on whether Seven want to pay for the rights to broadcast it, I suppose. Um, I didn't know it was on free to wear last year. Uh, maybe the maybe Fox could give Seven Mate permission to put it on at a later time. Uh, so Fox have exclusive rights to the live broadcast of it, but then uh, later that evening you can watch it on Seven Mate if Channel 7 don't want to put it on their main channel. But, yeah, it's a good point you make, Bill. Uh, we need to get as many eyeballs on it as possible, and little things can become big things. If you don't have Fox, then you're not going to watch that awards night last night. Uh, Alex in Northlake, you got a thought on all this? Welcome to you, Alex. Yeah, uh, I find the uh, problem with the women's game is the congestion, and um, the men suffer congestion as well. But um, the AFL has gone to some lengths to uh, reduce the congestion by introducing the centre square, for instance, the um, 666 rule and um, the kicking out by the full back, they run out a lot further than they used to. So, you know, they've, mm. they've attempted to do things and they should do some of these things for the women. Maybe introduce a permanent 666 rule for the um, for the women so that they, they stay in zone and they don't get hung off of the ball. It's, it's a bit like the Little League when once the ball's bounced, every kid on the ground runs towards the football. Yeah, well, that's the issue with coaches, Alex. They're all about the aesthetics of the game until there's a game to be won, and then, oh, no, we're going to congest it now. We're going to put every player around the ball and have stoppage after stoppage because we've got a two-point lead. So, you know, it's all about, oh, we're thinking of the big picture, but all of a sudden when there's a game to be won, uh, that wasn't thought of on the weekend. It was just about doing what they needed to do to win the game. Uh, A couple of texts. Now that there is 18 teams, put them up as a curtain raiser. Simple regards, Tony. They could have more curtain raises to the men's game. They didn't want to do that initially because they thought it was a bad look. Oh, so it's only going to be used as a curtain raiser for the men. Well, maybe they need to do that. And Monique Cotty did say that this morning as well. Maybe there needs to be more double headers with the men and women. It doesn't have to always be a curtain raiser, by the way. You could put a men's game on, and if it's a 2 o'clock afternoon game at the MCG, then put the women's game on straight after it, and... and a big portion of the crowd will probably stick around. If you're there to watch Richmond play the day game, you're a big chance to stick around and watch Richmond's AFLW game straight after. It doesn't have to always be a curtain raiser. Uh, Dwayne, uh, so you're telling us that the WBBL is more popular and yet you never talk about it. Why? Well, firstly, Monique Conti put this on the agenda last night. The AFLW Awards were on last night. And as Talkback Radio, if you'd like to talk about the WBBL, then by all means... Give us a call. one 736 is the number. You call, you get on. That's a midday madness promise. And I say it every week, every day, in fact. Anything in the water sport you'd like to discuss, then give us a call. So it's not confined to just AFL calls. I don't just look at the call list and say, oh, they're talking about cricket. I'm not going to talk about it. One here on the text, by the way. You should be aware that the WBBL is playing at the Adelaide Oval. It was there on the weekend and this weekend coming. So thanks for that clarification. Maybe they could have played if the Crows won right to host the grand final at the Adelaide Oval, even though there's probably a good chance it was always going to be at Norwood. AFL stoppages, they don't handball more than three metres, often less than that. A 10-metre hand pass to an outside would open it up. Steve in Glen Iris, and that's a skill level improvement they need to actually have. And, gee, I'd love to see it in the men's game, to be honest as well. Where's the 10-metre Greg Williams handball gone in the men's game, let alone the women's game? 
Been a massive hour of midday madness. Still another big hour to come, but the text machine has blown up. So many responses to this after Monique Cotty said we need more eyeballs on the AFLW to improve it. How do they get more eyeballs on it? One here. G'day, Pipe. The AFLW Awards was free to stream via the AFL app or website. That's how I watched it. Uh, getting the team colours wrong was a joke. The dogs were never given our correct colours. Uh, thanks for that, Freddie. I appreciate your text. So it was free on the AFL app and website last night. Uh, that's the problem. Whenever you criticise the AFLW, you're made to feel like you're a bad person and left feeling guilty for having an opinion, which is actually ostracising fans and potential fans. I don't think that's the issue anymore. I think you can freely critique the AFLW, and it's been part of the evolution of the AFLW that they need to cope with. Criticism that is fair, that's the point with all criticism. Uh, smaller grounds needed for the W, thanks for that. Um, they also didn't show the red carpet anywhere last night. Much more interesting than the Brownlow, plus a great way to get to know the players more through interviews. Really weird choice. Marie in Fitzroy, thanks for your text as well, Marie. Uh, that's where the conversation comes full circle. The awards weren't on free-to-air last night because the competition doesn't get enough eyeballs for it to be a value for Channel 7. Thanks for that. Uh, you know the sport has made it big time when the talk skews Toward the umpires, that's from Paul. So maybe it's a good thing that we're talking about this. And speaking of the umpires uh, last night, um, there is a lot of text coming through about why in the hell Jazz Garner didn't even make it into the top six of the voting last night. Monique Cotty is a worthy winner, absolutely. But what's going on with the umpiring and the voting for the AFLW, given Jazz Garner didn't even finish in the top six. And she's won the Coaches Association Award, I think, the last two years. And most people believe she's the best player in the comp. So, yeah, maybe they need to have a look at the umpiring in terms of pay more damn free kicks, pay the in-the-backs that are there. And how's the voting going? More after the break. You with Dwayne's World. Always great to have your company for Dwayne's World. Thanks for joining me for another big Dwayne's World today and another huge Midday Madness. You call, you get on. That's the Midday Madness promise. And we'll head back to your calls straight away. one 736 736 Anything in the world of sport you'd like to discuss, then that's the open line number brought to us by Werribee Kia. Werribee Kia awarded the prestigious National Kia Car Dealer of the Year Award. Werribee Kia, where else? So the open line number for Midday Madness, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Mitchell Stark's going to join us in about 15 minutes' time, so uh, we'll have a chat to Mitch Stark this hour as well. Speaking of cricket, uh, Tom Morris reporting that the Australian World Cup squad members Marcus Stoinis, Glenn Maxwell and Sean Abbott will return to Australia after tomorrow night's third T20 against India. Adam Zampa has already left and won't play in tomorrow's third match of the series. It comes as the ages... Dan Bredick reports that Ben McDermott, Josh Philippe and Chris Green will travel to India as replacements or reinforcements for the rest of the series. So that's the latest there as well. But Mitch Stark to join us a little bit later on this half hour. A couple of texts on the way to it as well. Um, well, first of all, so many texts coming through on that 40 Winks Temper text about Monique Conti's comments this morning on SEN that there, there needs to be more eyeballs on the AFLW, how do they do it? Uh, so here, they need a score review system in the AFLW. Yeah, they probably do need that as well. Thanks for that text. Um, in the AFLW, Jasmine Garner has won the Coaches Vote Player of the Year two years in a row, but yet again, the umpires don't acknowledge her as the best and fairest. I'm dumbfounded. Pipe J. Bob, there's been a few of those come through, as I mentioned just before we took the break. Um, 
G'day, Duano. Love your show, mate. I'm normally a bit too negative, so I do apologise. So I thought I'd be a bit more glass half full. I believe this time of the year is the worst time for the AFLW fan engagement due to the fact that right now the elite basketball, soccer and NFL is all taking up a lot of the shared airtime. The season needs to be in winter alongside the AFL men's and let evolution take control of the popularity of the league over time. If anything, the original place on the calendar at the start of the year benefits the AFLW more due to people like me getting the footy itch back and more inclined to tune in to the AFLW to get our footy fix. Yeah, well, maybe the AFLW could shift and be side-by-side with the men, play more double-headers, and maybe they could actually start two or three weeks before the AFL um, men's and play their grand final in the bye round. That would be nice. Just have a bye round where everyone has a week off and play the AFLW grand final then, perhaps. Uh, Jason and Werribee, we're coming to you. I want to read a few more texts out. Uh, first, one of the issues of AFLW is they're never going to capture the old 40-plus men who want to compare it to the men's game. They are missing out. But I watched 20 12-year-old girls train at footy last night and asked them who they thought would win the grand final. Not one knew who was playing. And not one is going. So the elite game is not supported by women. Why not? That's the missing part. The girls who play it don't support the comp. Well, that's been an issue with sport or women's sport for quite a while. Women don't. Women tend to gravitate to watch men's sport. And they need more women watching women's sport. That's a fact that's been around for a while. But what can the AFLW do to get more women watching and more men? Jason in Werribee, what can you do, Jason? How you going, Dwayne? Good to have you. Yeah, just without they getting eyes on the game, well, it's pretty much themselves in the foot if they're trying to do that when they only can get 13,000 at the ground that's already sold out in three hours. So what are your thoughts on that one? So they should have had it at Marvel. They should have estimated that there would have been more interest, more demand, and they've missed an opportunity here to have it at Marvel and have a big crowd, Jason, make it a great spectacle. I reckon they probably would have got close to 20,000 if they had it at Marvel. Yeah, well, there's the thing. Um, if the AFL's making poor decisions like that, then how's the comp going to improve? How many other poor decisions have they made? That's the issue right now. Should they have done more promotion of the competition during the year? How many other things could be done to make the game run better? They're going to have a fresh set of eyes on it. Nicole Livingston is standing down, so there'll be a fresh set of eyes in control of the game and maybe there'll be more things done, like having the grand final at bigger venues so we can squeeze in all the people who want to go, especially North fans who want to go. G'day, Pipe. Watch both finals. Thanks for your call, by the way. I appreciate you jumping on the line. Jason, I've got something for you, actually. Down there in Werribee, you've got 18 holes of golf for you and a mate with a cart. Get 18 holes of golf for two with drinks and a cart midweek from just $99. Visit clubmandalay.com.au. Hold the line and we'll get that to you, Jason, down there in Werribee. Keep your calls coming. one 300 736 is the open line number, and we'll get you on before Mitch Stark joins us in about 15 minutes from now. Um, 95% of all AFLW games have more effective tacklers than effective kicks. That's why it's hard to watch. Again, it's a tackle fest, and they need to fix that. Pay more in the backs, and unfortunately, coaches are coaching to make it a tackle fest as opposed to making more of a quick hands, 5- to 10-meter handball skill fest rather than this two or three minute handball. Uh, works so well having the men, the women play before or after the A-League matches. So it works in the A-League. 
as much as women want to have a standalone league, I think the games being played when the crowd's already there is the way to go. John and Cow, so thanks for that suggestion as well. Uh, Greg from Ormond, it's, uh, um, I'll come to your text in a second, actually. There's a few texts coming through on cricket that I haven't got to just yet. Um, and I have, I'd have the curtain raiser to the men's comp, Joe from Roeville. A lot of those texts coming through. Um, Dwayne, explain to me exactly how the AFLW North Melbourne team playing in the grand final helps the men's program. Well, I think it helps the club overall. I think if your women's program win the flag, then it's going to help your overall football feeling, the vibe at the club, having a successful women's team at it. The Bear, thanks for your text, The Bear, but I think there is, if you've got a successful vibe at the club, it's going to help everyone, I think. Um, So keep your texts coming through. And I'll read a heap of those out after another quick break. Mitch Stark, not far away. One here, typical response from Conti in the AFLW. Need more people to watch. How about they provide, suggest solutions as to how this can be achieved instead of, again, taking no responsibility for the product itself. Um, Well, Monique Conti was just responding to a question asked today. I think the AFLW women do have uh, a lot of suggestions as to how the competition can improve and what the AFL needs to do to improve the amount of eyeballs on it. Not all women uh, have the ability to be spokespeople for their, for their game, though. That's, some speak extremely well, but some are pretty young in the publicity speaking game. And we've spoken to a lot of AFLW girls who have been rising star winners this year who can't quite articulate it um, to their own satisfaction what they'd like to have done. But I'm sure they've all got opinions on it if you did uh, have the ability to dig deep down. Okay, a bit of cricket coming your way shortly. Mitch Stark not far away from joining us. A couple of cricket texts on the way to it. And about Warner, given that Andrew McDonald did mention on Jerry Whiteley's program earlier today that it's not 100% locked in that Dave Warner gets to open in the first test against Pakistan in WA. Uh, Here, Hi, Dwayne. Great show, but Warner has to be dropped. Form has been terrible. And they also need to change the bowling around with some fresh talent. Um, Thanks for that, Tim. Well, Mitch Stark's going to join us in about 15 minutes, so we'll have a chat to him about the bowling. Warner should have pulled the pin after his 200 last season. Another one here, Greg from Ormond, saying that it's absurd that Warner gets to call his exit. Well, the way Andrew McDonald spoke earlier today, maybe he's not going to get to call it. Maybe there are other options out there. I cannot see the Australian selectors dropping Dave Warner and him not opening in the first test in Perth, but... Stranger things have happened, so maybe they will have something up their sleeve if there's runs scored by, well, Harris or Bancroft. Another here, I got the impression from Andrew McDonald that Warner would play, pick the best team for each test as opposed to picking for the future. That said, I believe for tests there are better options, such as Bancroft. Cheers, Tim. So another one coming through from Tim. Another here, I think the selectors really need to look to the future. We don't play any test matches after this summer until our summer next year, and that's against India. We need to find Warner's replacement now, and they need time in the actual Australian team. So that's the issue. If Warner fails in Perth, if he gets seven and nine in Perth, what do they do? Do they let him go out at the SCG in the third test, or do they just say, Dave, sorry, but we've got to get your new guy in now? Uh, given past crimes, Warner has absolutely no right to demand which matches he plays in. Cut him down and promote the youth. David in Adelaide. Davis, David in Thomastown. Welcome to you, David. Good day, mate. How are you going today? Good. Good, thanks. That's the way. I've got a, uh, I've 
a crazy idea. I've been dwelling on it for ages and ages and ages. Do you know, there's all sorts of talk. I'm sorry. About the umpire, he has a bit of a problem sometimes when he bounces the ball. You're familiar with that? Yep. Sometimes it goes in favour of a side. But anyway, I still think that that's... That shouldn't be a problem. It's, it's a game and you know, luck's on your side, whatever. Dwayne, have you ever seen any of the movies, American movies? There's a machine when the, when the blokes play baseball. It, it's like a machine that it, it can throw out all sorts of balls, you know, a fastball, a curveball yep. and all that sort of stuff. I have. Yep. Why don't they, why don't, well, I, I've seen a couple. I can't think of the names of it, but. I know this is this is crazy. Why doesn't the AFL or somebody at least look into it to stop everybody sucking? Dig a big hole in the middle of the MCG, set up one of those machines just to flip out the ball. It could be adjusted and, you know, if it's too high, if it's too fast. What about something like that? I know it's crazy. And then when the ball's, you know, flicks out with the machine... Somehow it could have like a flip padded lid or something, you know, so no player gets hurt. I know it's crazy, but the game's crazy anyway. What do you think about that? So would you have varying heights so you never quite know how high it's going to go, David? Would you have the machine um, having random heights as part of the overall um, variable that it has? David, to be honest... I appreciate your call, and it's a clever idea. There are machines that can do that. Absolutely, there are. The AFL could dig holes in every ground and put one of those machines in, but there is another solution to that, David, and that is the umpires can just toss the ball up. We're looking for the perfect bounce all the time. We have umpires practising and practising and practising to try and tune themselves to the point that they can bounce it perfectly straight up when they can get the same result just by tossing it up. Appreciate your call, though, David. And you've got a Signet Boost Power Bank coming your way. Signet Boost Power Bank's available at $44.95. They can keep your phone, tablet, and earbuds powered 24-7. Radical idea, I know, but maybe if we want a perfect bounce, we just throw it up. You would, Dwayne's well. Siraj bowls to him. Maxwell clobbers the ball out to square leg. A dive on the boundary to save it. They'll come back for a second. And Australia has won the World Cup. A sixth championship victory. And surely none greater than this. In the most partisan, intimidating environment that this tournament has ever seen. Australia has quashed all of India in one night. One of our greatest sporting victories of all time. And Mitch Dark's been good enough to join us. Australian World Cup winning fast bowler. Just presented the World Cup to the Australian media at the SCG alongside his captain, Pat Cummins. And by the way, the first test between Australia and Pakistan starts December 14 in Perth. You can catch every ball of the summer of cricket across the SEN network. Mitch, thanks for joining me. And congratulations on the World Cup win. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me, guys. It's, uh, it's nice to be back at the SCG. and. And uh, we'll get that trophy again. So it's uh, it's been a good good couple of months. How do you look back on it now that the dust has settled a bit? Um, yeah, it's it's um, it's an interesting one. It's it's obviously 
you know, a great couple of months and, and uh, sort of take it all, all the celebrations and, and reviews and, and enjoy the moment of what it was, but they quickly got to turn focus to a test series. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm sure it's something that we'll, we'll probably reflect on more when we're, we're either finished or got some, some time off. But um, for a lot of the guys, it's either playing T20 cricket in India still or on to test cricket. Nothing better than taking 355 in a World Cup final to win it. Most wickets of any player in the final and producing that kind of display on the biggest stage you could possibly produce it on. Yeah, it was, it was nice to uh, pull my finger out of it in, the, in the, the last couple of games of the tournament and, and um, step up when, when called upon. So it's, um, yeah, it's nice to, to have a little bit of an impact there and, and uh, play my role in the back end of the tournament. But um, no, it was a interesting group. Through, through the whole tournament, we, we had everyone step up at different times. It wasn't just one or two individuals throughout the whole tournament. Whilst there were some, some great numbers, um, different games called upon different people and everyone managed to step up when it counted most. Did you feel a bit of pressure early on, Mitch? And uh, some of the conditions for fast bowling was were pretty tough. Sorry, just I missed that one. Did you feel a bit of pressure early on in for yourself personally and for the team? Um, I think there was a lot of lot of noise made about it, but um, I think what we, we saw through the whole tournament was in India at that stage of the year, the, the conditions were so different whether you batted or bowl first, and, and different parts of the country, and, and whether it was day or night so um, yeah look we all probably well certainly didn't start the tournament the way, way we wanted to being 0-2 and, and I think it was none for 120 in that Sri Lankan game but um, things turned pretty quickly and, and when when you back back this team into a corner uh, it fights its way out so yeah certainly uh, I mean numbers wise wasn't uh, wasn't as what I've done in, in previous tournaments but um, like I said I was, I was managed to, to make an impact at the back end where where uh, I'd like to think some experience comes into it. So, um, yeah, I think uh, the way it all finished, uh, no amount of wickets would, would uh, I, I'd trade in for a, for a World Cup trophy. So it's, it's been fantastic. And it is nice to look back. I mean, we're still basking in the glory of it. You do have to get ready for a three-test series coming up. Uh, starts December 14 in Perth. You, you've elected not to play in the BBL again, so that's confirmed. Uh, certainly not in my my equation for the next two weeks. Um, yeah, it's it's all guns forward for that that uh, day one of that test in, in Perth. So um, yeah, I've seen a, a few of the boys are coming out for that the opening round. Um, obviously, you know Uzi and and Marcus for for Brisbane. Smithy's um, pretty sound up for the Sixers. But um, yeah, for for me, it, it's it's uh, getting that red ball in the hand and, and getting ready for for day one. Is it more the body or the mind that needs a rest in the lead up to the test? Um, it's a little bit of everything, I think. It, it, you know, we've had a, a very busy winter. We've been, uh, as a group across formats, we've been hugely successful with with the Test Championship and then and then uh, obviously the, the retention of the Ashes and into the World Cup. So there's a lot of guys that have played a lot of cricket. We've got a lot of a lot of multi-format players as well, and people like to prepare differently and, and have different stages of their body. So for me, it's it's uh, you know another chance to to get in the gym, get ready for uh, for the Test summer, uh, and that means a couple of bowling sessions. Uh, some, some more importantly, some time in the gym to, to get back that strength that sort of goes away when you, you have a, a schedule like we did in the World Cup. So, yeah, for, for me, it's more a physical one. Um, I'm still loving my cricket and, and loving playing different formats, but um, tests are always going to be the pinnacle for me. And speaking of formats, you're going to be back to playing three formats 
soon. You're planning on playing in the IPL, I understand, even though you haven't been there for a while, and the T20 World Cup down the road? Yeah, I haven't been to the IPL since uh, 2015, so um, throwing my name in the hat and uh, I put my papers in the other day, so let's uh, see how that falls uh, at the back end of December, I think the auction is, and um, see if there's any interest there to, to have a, a left arm bowler at the back end. And, and um, yeah, like you say, it's, it's a nice lead into the T20 World Cup with being, a, I guess, a slightly quieter winter next year and, and playing some T20 cricket on the way to the onto the way to the T20 World Cup is a, is a nice lead into that. And um, physically after the World Cup is, is not not uh, as taxing as, as what the last 12 months has been. How easy is it to flip from one form to the other? Is it as difficult as some say it is? Is it fairly easy for you in comparison? You're about to flick to tests and get your mind on doing that now. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I mean, it's one that's brought up every year, particularly with the amount of, of multi-format players that Australia does have. Uh, I've always found my roles not too different across the formats. Whilst the game is obviously different and, and there's obviously more, more, uh, I guess, a bit more of a war of attrition, if you like, in test cricket and, and the spells are longer, the days are longer, the, the wickets are certainly flat across formats. But um, I think you'd have to ask the batters, but I think it's probably... A little, slightly easier for the bowlers to transition through red and white, um, purely because we're still bowling. That. It's still three stumps at the other end. It's, it's still, you know, bowl your six balls. It's, your tactics might be slightly different, but um, the lengths are still the same. The, the size of the cricket ball is still the same. So, um, yeah, it's probably more of a role one and, and tactically. And, and my role for, for Australia has, has probably been very, very similar across formats in terms of, of uh, you know, striking and trying to be a bit more aggressive. You probably won't tell me what you'd suggest would be the right 11 to start against Pakistan. I'm happy for you to tell me if you want. Does Dave Warner open in the team that you'd pick? Thankfully, I don't have to pick a team. So, um, <laughs> I mean, what do they say? They don't, you don't change a winning team, do you? So, um, we won the sit. Well, we retained the series in England, I guess. But, um, yeah, we, we've been a, a very successful test team for, for a while now. And, um, you know, Davey's been hugely successful and, and led from the front there as an opener for us for a long time. So um, when whenever we, we find ourselves without Davey, um, whenever that may be, he's going to leave a massive hole. So he's been a, a long-time server of Australian cricket. He's, he's changed the game in many ways. And, and I think we showed that, he showed that through the World Cup, how dynamic he can be, not only with the bat, but certainly in the field as well. Does he, as a, as a superstar of the game, does he have a right to be locked in for all three tests here and go out the way he wants or is it all based on each test performance whether you get a game for the next one oh geez i, I don't know I, thankfully i'm not a selector um i guess i'm heading on the, the back end of my career too so i don't know i don't know what uh what side of the fence i sit on there but um i, I mean look he, he's been as i said he, he's played for a very very long time he, he's been hugely 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 successful um, and and whether he's polarising or not he, he's going to probably go down as, as as one of the great multi-format players for Australia so hopefully that in whatever happens that's recognised for what it is and how good he's been for Australia for, for a very long time. And whilst we're talking about how good people have been how good's Pat Cummins' captaincy been given the criticism early and the divisiveness of some of his um, personal situations uh, he's stood tall and made some huge decisions including whether you bat or bowl first and it uh, seems like he's pulling the right rein every time now yeah I think he's finally getting some recognition for, for what a, a great leader he is and, and 
you know, everyone's going to have their critics and, and whether he takes any of that on board or not, he certainly doesn't show it to the wider group and, and you know, he's, he's happy to, to be brave and, and make bold calls as you've seen in the, in the World Cup final, which, you know, his, his, uh, his decision at the top definitely didn't go down um, as as a conventional one or, or a traditional one to, to many respects that of um, you know, past players or, or critics of, of Australian cricket, but it, it turned out to be a, a very brave one, but the correct one. So, yeah, look, he, he's uh, certainly for, for someone who's, who's seen Pat for a long time, um, he's been phenomenal for the group. I think he's so calm and, and caring that that's that's now how we play our cricket. I think how calm he is is, is why we're able to execute when you know we might be back into a corner or you know we find ourselves 0-2 in a World Cup and, and manage to go on to, to win in India. So. Full credit to, to Pat and certainly to, to Andrew McDonald as well and the way that they led this group of players and staff through the, through the World Cup. Mitch, great to have you on. I really appreciate your time. I know you've got a busy schedule. One quick one, though. You, you seem to be able to handle all the pressure and your relationship, your private life. You're married to Alyssa Healy. You, you seem like you don't mind that being played out publicly as well. What's it like with your private life played out publicly? Do you do you not like it? Are you okay with it? <laughs> uh I'd be lying if I said I was okay with it, but um, no, it is what it is. Unfortunately, it comes with the territory, and I mean, I'm, we're both quite private people, and, and I'm certainly not um, not all over social media like like some other people. But um, it is what it is, and, and um, yeah, I guess it comes with the territory of, of two cricketers being married together and, and having um, you know, well, she's she's been captain for the last twelve months, so she's she, got a, a huge profile herself and she's a fantastic uh, I mean she's played for, for Australia longer than I have so um, yeah it comes with the territory and, and uh, once cricket's done and dusted I'm, I'm sure I'll be off in the sunset somewhere <laughs> well summed up hey Mitch great to have you on I really appreciate your time and uh, we'll talk soon good luck against Pakistan no worries thank you very much for having me Mitch Stark joining us Australian World Cup winning fast bowler just presented the World Cup to the Australian media at the SCG alongside Pat Cummins. And again, you can catch every ball of the summer of cricket across the SEN network. The first test, Australia-Pakistan, starts December 14 in Perth. Second test, Boxing Day. And the third test in the early new year at the SCG. Always great to have superstars like Mitch Stark in the program. Your thoughts on a few of the things that he had to say? wasn't 100% committed to... Dave Warner being locked in for the three tests and being able to go out his way. But uh, your thoughts on all of that, one 736 736 or 0433981116. Uh, a couple of texts coming through again on the relationship side of it. Best husband and wife in world sport. Uh, the text machine brought to us by 40 Winks and Temper, 0433981116. The all-new Temper Pro. Temper's most adaptive mattress ever is here. Temper mattresses like no other. Lindsay in Somerville's been holding for a while. Welcome to you, Lindsay, as we head back to calls. Thanks, Dwayne. A um, bit of a conspiracy theory. Um, so the AFL got a rule that when the umpire, when a, when a team infringes on the 666, they warn the team and throw the ball up, correct? Yep. So what Collingwood did in the grand final, and if you have a look backwards in close matches, they deliberately infringed after Charlie um, Cameron put Brisbane ahead, deliberately infringed, the ball was thrown up, and Mason Cox wins at 99 times out of 100 being ahead bigger than anyone else. Have a look. Have a look at the GWS. It's a deliberate tactic. They ensure they get a throw up, which Mason Cox wins. So, Lindsay, they've denied, they say that they don't do it deliberately. Every club tells us they don't do it deliberately. So if 
if the AFL is suspecting that some clubs are, should they scrap the one warning and just say, okay, no more. You've had this for a while now. You know what the, the rule is. If you're infringed, it's an automatic free kick. That's it now. No, just bounce it. Why don't they bounce it? They bounce it even though it's they, an infringement. They, tr- they throw it up after the warning. Why don't they bounce it yep. after the warning? What's the difference? Yeah, maybe they could. Yeah, that's a reasonably good point you make, Lindsay. I appreciate you jumping on the line. Are you a line supporter, Lindsay? I am, and I did notice it. Then I went back and had a look at the GWS game. If you have a look, they did the same thing at that critical moment. Well, little things in that grand final are now big things because it was such a close fought game. So I appreciate you jumping on, and I think we're going to analyse that game for quite a while. What a ripper it was, uh, and so close and yet so far, the lines. Theo and Clayton South, welcome to you, Theo. How are you, Dwayne? Good. Um, to restructure the AFLW, this is what they've got to do, right? Can you listen to me, please? I am. For the first nine rounds of the season, that should be split into two conferences of nine where the top nine ranked teams and the bottom ranked nine teams play each other for the first nine rounds. Yep. Right? For fairness and more more viewing for the game, more even games, they should not have double headers on Saturday and introduce Thursday night football more often for more exposure. A top 10 final series with a wild card round to get involved to keep the season going longer for teams ranked between 10 and 14. I'll send you an email to Mitch all about this. Yeah, Theo, we've spoken before. Have the AFL, and I agree with you on the top 10 wildcard scenario, by the way, Theo, so I'm with you on that. And so many of your ideas actually make sense when I've read them on paper. Have the AFL ever responded to you about your your fixture possibilities that you've sent them over years? I have not, never got a response. I rang Jared about two or three weeks ago to represent me on this. I'm having difficulties getting an answer from the AFL. Yeah, I think they deserve, you deserve a response, Theo, given how persistent and how passionate you are about it. I think you deserve a response at least, surely. I haven't got a response. I've got a fixture formula that works for two conference assistants where the top nine teams and the bottom nine teams play off each other for the nine rounds for a 12-round season. I'll send it. I'll send you my latest copy to Mitch, all right? Good on you, you Theo. Yep, no, I've I've tried to help you a number of times. We've had you on a number of times. I encourage you to keep sending it to the AFL. I encourage you to to send it to Andrew Dillon and try and get a response. And if you're listening from the AFL and you see Theo's letter across your desk, it's worth a read and it's worth a response. He's a passionate footy man and um, he's a regular to Midday Madison. I love his passion and that's what Midday Madison is all about. If you got something on your plate, on your agenda, on your mind. This is the opportunity for you to get it across. And Theo, I'm glad you took that opportunity today. Always great to have your company for Dwayne's World. Dwayne's World brought to you by, well, the Werribee Kia open line is open, one 736 The open line, if you'd like to join me for Midday Madness, take your calls all the way up to 2 o'clock. Simon Hill is going to talk some world football. Plenty to get to in the world of world football with Simon Hill. 
including the EPL, what's happening there, and Postacoglu, honeymoon over, and Man City next. So uh, they've dropped a fifth Tottenham. We'll have a chat to Simon Hill about that after 2 o'clock. And a few things happening in the world of the A-League as well that we need to get to. So that's after 2 o'clock. But your call's all the way to 2 and a quick reminder, Flight Centre's big red sale is on with limited time offers on flights, cruises, holidays and tours. You can book now to say big at Flight Centre. Great to have Flight Centre on board for Dwayne's World. And again, uh, Flight Centre did help me out booking my trip. And cheerio to Jenna at Flight Centre in Geelong. I did a brilliant job with my itinerary. John in Port Augusta, as we head back to your phones. John in Port Augusta, thanks for holding. Yeah, hi, Dwayne. It's important on Dave Warner. Uh, why doesn't he have a farewell tour? I mean, the most selfish cricket I've ever seen is Steve Wall got a farewell tour. And um, I know what he did on 93 on the second test, 2001. I bang on about how selfish Steve Wall was all the time. I know that, but it's a bee in my bonnet, and I'm not alone in thinking it. Appreciate your call, John. Uh, every opportunity you get to take down Steve War, you are on the air, but that's the beauty of Midday Madness, uh, even if it does sound like it's a bit of madness that should have dissipated by now. Thanks for your call. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. if you'd like to join me. A couple of texts that have come through, uh, quite a few coming through on the suggestions that uh, how to get more eyeballs on the AFLW. So let me read a few more of those out. Dwayne, I regularly watch the AFLW Suns games on TV and it's sad for the women and a bad look on TV seeing a 25,000-seat stadium with 1,000 people which are mostly out-of-camera view there. And again, play on smaller grounds. But the girls want to play on the AFL grounds. They want to play on the better grounds. They don't want to play on the wind-swept, muddy grounds of suburbia. But So it's a catch-22. You play on the better grounds, it looks bad on TV, and it does make it strange to watch when there's no one there. You think, should I be watching this? Is this worthy of watching? Or is a flick around more worthy and then you flick on some other sport and there's, you know, quite a few people at the venues watching that sport. So, yeah, it's a cat 22 for the women. Maybe more boutique grounds is the way to go and maybe more crowds sitting in the outer because it looks better. Um, Dwayne, you keep mentioning Renshaw. He's not even in the picture despite being in the Prime Minister's eleven. It's Bancroft, then Harris, then Daylight. Bancroft has absolutely bashed the door down. Joel from Perth. Well, that's the big issue on this. Who's bashed the door down to replace Dave Warner? Um, Let me play you Candace Warner. Uh, She might actually be right in this whole debate. Um, Who's going to replace him? If he gets replaced, here's Candace from, what was it, a year ago? He needs to start well, though, Candace. Oh, absolutely he does, but so does the whole team. So if Dave doesn't perform in that first test, who do they bring in that's better? Candace Warner from Fox Sports, April 2023. Who do they bring in that's better? I think Renshaw's making some runs as we speak. In fact, I'll take a break, and when we come back, I'll tell you how many Matt Renshaw has racked up today because the final round of Hewitt Cricket is on this weekend. A couple of texts on the way to that break. G'day, Pipe. Watched both finals on the weekend. Started thinking that in the, the, the in-the-back rule wasn't part of the AFLW. Many missed. Hamdog in Torquay, and you're spot on, Hamdog. It's a tackle fest. There were a lot of in-the-backs, and they just didn't play them. So Rain has stopped play in the second session. Matt Renshaw is 37 not out at the Gabba, so good news there. And again, uh, Cam Bancroft is off the text. Deserves his chance again. 
as Warner's replacement. He's also a jet in the field. Um, keep your text coming. 0433981116. Midday Madness rapid fire all the way to 2 o'clock. 1300-736-736. We'll get you on rapid fire style on the way to 2 o'clock to make your point. And if you want to jump on that open line brought to us by Werribee Kia, lines are open. And we'll combine a couple of segments in one here. I've been asking the question. We've been having a few why's it so's on the program this week. So a why's it so, or two from me. Um, there's one on the text here that reminded me of it. Uh, Dwayne, uh, why is it so? What did Steve Ward do to John from Port Augusta? Cheers, Dean. Thanks for that one, Dean. Another one here. John from Port Augusta is still dirty from when the Wars beat the record set by Hooks and Phillips. Thanks for that. So that might be why is it so? Why is John so dirty on Steve Wall? Because they broke that record. And why is it so that Jazz Garner just doesn't get votes when it comes to the AFLW Brownlow medal equivalent? Didn't finish in the top six. Quite a few experts believe that Jazz Garner is the best player in the comp. She's won the last three Coaches Association awards. So the coaches thinks she's the best player in the comp, yet she never votes well in the AFLW award. Didn't finish in the top six last night. If you've got a why is it so to tell me why that is, I'd love to hear it as well. one three hundred seven three six seven three six, and we'll take your calls on the way to the 2 o'clock news. Oh, and someone asked about Cam Green on the text as well. Here's why is it so that Cam Green's not in the team. Andrew McDonald talked about Cam Green's place in the test team this morning. Would you be reluctant to have Cam Green sit on the shelf for too long in Test cricket, given the long-term investment that you've made in him? Yeah, I think that's a definite conversation. Um, Mitch Marsh has taken his spot in that middle order. Uh, what does you know, Cam Green's future look like in the Test team? Is it a matter of waiting for, for Mitch um, to, to finish, or is it? could there be another spot that opens up over time? And Look, he's batted six most of his Test career, but he's been a fantastic number four for, for WA, and I think average is close to 50 in, in Shield cricket. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's always the the idea that you can potentially shift the order to make room um, and put your best six batters, or what you see as your best six batters in a certain order, and we've seen that in Australian cricket before. We've seen, I think, David Boone went from three to opening. I think Justin Langer went from three to opening. Um, Shane Watson went from sixth to opening if I'm, I'm right so there has been um the ability to reshuffle and and for that to be successful but as i said we'll pick the best 11 for that first test match in perth is just is green in a tough spot at the moment he's just outside each of the australian teams um as it's as it's fallen i think he's in a better spot than the people that aren't there so yeah. i think he's in a, in, a, in a great spot um yeah he's always on the on the selection table he's always been discussed um, he's had an interesting 12 months, really. Um, the IPL into, well, sorry, India into an IPL, into an Ashes, into a World Cup. Um, that's a hugely demanding year, and he's never done that before. So I think the lessons learned over the last 12 months hold him in great stead for for the future. And yeah, you know, he's he's a generational type player. And yeah, as you said earlier, it, how long? Can he stay out of the team for without sort of hindering a the team's um, progress and also individually Cam's progress? Andrew McDonald, his answer to that question, uh, that went a bit longer than I thought. So we can't take any of your rapid-fire calls up to the break, but a couple of texts that have come through. I think Head will be the next opener. Cheers, Rick, in Ringwood North. And hey, Dwayne, I took the kids to the Richmond AFLW last match at Vic Park. High-scoring kick on the ground after the siren. Great day. Not enough toilets was the downfall. The top four doesn't change every year, always north 
Adelaide and Brisbane have matches every Thursday, Friday and Saturday night. Rob from Langwarren, thanks. Welcome back to Dwayne's World. Always great to have so many of your calls and your texts coming through. Keep your texts coming through and I'll read a heap of them out. 0433981116. The all-new Temper Pro, T-E-M-P-U-R Temper. The Temper Pro, Temper's most adaptive mattress ever is here. Temper mattresses like no other. Always great to have a chat to Simon Hill, host of the Global Game, 8pm tonight across the SEN network. Heaps to get to in the World Game. And uh, great to have you back on, Simon. Thanks for joining us. Pleasure, Dwayne. How are you? I'm good. Uh, a couple of your warnings always ring in my ears, and uh, one of them you gave me about a month ago when Tottenham were flying was, it's only early, um, and they've, well, the honeymoon's over for Ange. How's he going? Well, they're struggling at the moment. Obviously, they uh, they lost to Aston Villa, which is their third loss on the spin at the weekend. Um, in mitigation, you're probably going to say that they've got a lot of injuries to contend with uh, and suspensions. They had a couple of those at the weekend as well. Uh, so, you know, it was always going to be this way. Um, I, I think people here, and it's understandable because, you know, it's an Australian coach and, you know, people are popping their chests out. Um, <clears throat> I think they were thinking it was going to be a breeze towards this Premier League title. It was never going to be that. Uh, there's a long way to go. Uh, Tottenham uh, certainly challenges, uh, definitely for the top four, maybe even the title itself. Uh, but they, they've just been brought back to the pack over the last couple of weeks and, uh, you know, they're, they're not the first team to have lost a game or two this season. It happens to the best of them. So, um, yeah, maybe a little bit of a reality check. But uh, I think once those injuries clear up, they get the suspended players back, uh, they'll be back on an even keel. Aston Villa are going OK as well. They lost to Aston Villa. They're up to fourth and Tottenham down to fifth. But uh, the hard part for Tottenham is they face your team next, Man City. Yeah, that'll be a tough game for them, but, uh, you know, for City as well. And uh, City weren't able to win at the weekend either, uh, even though they dominated the game against Liverpool, really. Took the lead through Erling Haaland. Uh, had the chances to finish off the game and get the points secure, but uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold got an equaliser with 10 minutes to go. Uh, so, you know, City will be uh, will be looking to win against Tottenham uh, uh, next weekend as well. That game, I think, is on... Sunday, I think City have got European action to come first during the week. And, you know, City have got a couple of problems too with uh, John Stones being out, uh, who's a big loss. It, it really affects the way that City play. So Tottenham are a chance. Maybe one or two of those injuries might have healed. Uh, it'll be a fascinating contest. And, uh, you know, obviously good to see Ange Postacoglu going to pitch his wits against mm-hmm. arguably the best coach of the modern era, Pep Guardiola. And Pep's got a bit of a job to do because Arsenal and Liverpool are both going okay. And again, it's still only early, but uh, there's a bit of a three-way battle at the top. Well, I think you can, you know, include Tottenham in that as well. Um, again, it's you know, it's very, very early. Uh, you know, the, the table uh, is only 13 games old. Arsenal are cleared by a point at the moment. Uh, City and Liverpool and Aston Villa and Spurs all within four points. So, you know, even Manchester United are only six behind. So it's it's very early days. There's a lot of big games to be played. Um, as a lot of people have said before, the periods around Christmas where the games come thick and fast, the men at Easter as well, they normally set, sort out the men from the boys because it tests your squad depth. You're bound to pick up some injuries. 
Now, Spurs are, are picking them up early. So, you know, maybe that's important that things will get better for them in those periods because those players will be back by then, having missed a few matches. But, uh, yeah, it's it's very early to pick a winner from this uh, from this stage. Too early to be worried if you're down the bottom end. Everton's story, the deduction of points, is going to be one of the bubbling stories of the year whilst they stay in the relegation zone. Well, of course, and you know that ten-point deduction has put them in the bottom three. Uh, the club are going to appeal. Um, whether that's going to cut any ice with the Premier League, I'm not, I'm not sure. And of course, it opens up a bigger can of worms as to what happens to the likes of Manchester City and Chelsea, both of whom are, are facing charges uh, from the Premier League as well. If Everton get ten points for their misdemeanours, which uh, Numbers only one, uh, even though you know they've overspent by quite a bit. Then people are speculating what on earth is going to happen to Manchester City because they're facing 115 charges. Uh, are they relegated all the way down to uh, you know League One or League Two? Who knows? Uh, there's a there's a long uh, story to play out with all of this, and of course they are uh, different charges, not the same. Um, but if Everton's uh, penalty sticks, then you know, you, you wonder whether clubs in previous seasons, because Everton have been involved in relegation battles for at least two of the last three seasons, whether those clubs that did go down are going to, you know, consider going after compensation. This is There is precedent for this. Sheffield United did it in, I think, 2007, when West Ham were found guilty of uh, a breach of third-party ownership rules with uh, two players, Carlos Tevez and Javier Mascherano. So, you know, they had to pay an awful lot of money to Sheffield United, who were relegated and, of course, suffered the financial consequences. So it's, it's a big can of worms that uh, the Premier League has opened. And uh, you hope they, they know what they're doing. Otherwise, there could be an awful lot of litigation cases coming over the next couple of seasons. Yeah, it's a story that's going to keep bubbling over probably at some stage. Uh, 3-0, man, you over Everton, by the way, and Alejandro's. And Alejandro Ganacho's scissor kick was a ripper. It was uh, one of those highlights that's going to get replayed for uh, a few decades to come. Yeah, super goal. Um, and, you know, giving United a, a much-needed win, of course, over Everton, which was a tough place to go because of all the emotions surrounding that 10-point deduction. The Everton fans uh, distributed 38,000 flyers with uh, the message Premier League is corrupt on them. Uh, so the emotions were always going to be in favour of uh, Sean Dyche's team, and it's a tribute to United's professionalism that they got that job done for all of you know the opprobrium that's been thrown at United this year. Uh, their recent Premier League form is actually pretty good, and uh, that goal from Garnacho will be replayed for years to come. It was an absolute beauty, reminiscent actually. I thought of Mark Hughes, a former Manchester United player, uh, scoring for Wales against Spain many many years ago. Good to think back, and uh, it's, it's good to talk some international footy too. Get a few texts when you're on. I'm just back from Germany where, uh, obviously, there was a, uh, some dramas with Bayern Munich and my mum's German, so I kind of was born into that kind of family, and I've been to watch them play before, and I've been over there. But uh, some of the other comps around the world, Serie A, Inter, I think, are top from Juventus, and Real Madrid have settled out on top in La Liga. Uh, what, do you, what do you keep your eye on? I know you keep your eye on that all, but what do you watch most when it comes to the world part of the world game? Well, look, obviously, you know, my stock and trade is covering the A-League, uh, which we haven't talked about yet. But mm. uh, the, the Premier League, you know, being English, of course, that's the, the, the league that I watch. But um, I, I keep an eye across all the big leagues and, and the stories that 
are going around. Um, and at the moment, you know, in Spain, for example, Girona are surprising a few people. That could be a Leicester City story in the making. Uh, part of the City Football Group, incidentally, which is, mm. again, interesting um, and may draw some attention at, at some point further down the line. In Germany, similar story by Leverkusen. Um, who've never won the league. In fact, the, the, they have the nickname Bayern Neverkusen because they've hmm. finished runners-up five times, uh, but they're having a good start to the season. So there's some interesting storylines around the old continent, but uh, you know, my stock in trade is, is the A-League. That's, that's what I cover week in, week out, our own competition. Well, let's get to that then. Uh, there's some drama at Man City, and, uh, sorry, Melbourne City, and they're, they're struggling a bit. Change of coach. Uh, there's been a lot of drama whilst I was away. Yeah, well, you know, Melbourne City have had a big turnover in in uh, players as well as uh, the coach, Rado Vidicic, who uh, was dumped after a, a poor start to the season. Aurelio Vidmar came in. They got an immediate spike by beating Sydney FC, but uh, they, they've fallen back again. A, a draw against MacArthur, which they only salvaged late on. Uh, and then defeats in, in Wellington at the weekend where Jamie McLaren saw a penalty save by Alex Paulson. So... You know, City have been brought back to the pack this season. Unfortunately, this is what happens with uh, salary caps, which are not built for our sports. Mm. You know, we, we lose a lot of players during the off-season and some clubs rebuild better than others. Uh, I still think City will be OK. They've got some terrific players. Uh, Jamie McLaren, I've mentioned. They've got some injuries as well. Matt Leckie, Andrew Naboot are going to be out for a decent chunk of the campaign. Uh, but they've also made some good signings. Tolga Arslan in particular, I think, is a terrific player. So... I don't hold too many fears for City. I think they will come back. But, uh, you know, clearly it takes time for a new team and a new coach to gel. Up the top end, or City's, I think, ninth and Melbourne victory about fifth. But the top end, Western Sydney, Wellington, Adelaide United. Uh, Western Sydney's having a pretty good year. But again, it's only early. Well, Western Sydney Wanderers won the big game of the weekend, uh, the Sydney Derby in front of nearly 30,000 at uh, Allianz Stadium. That's the third time in a row. Uh, that they've defeated their great rivals on their own patch. Um, a goal by a former Sydney FC player, strangely enough, Zach Sapsford. Uh, they're going to be one of the teams to beat this season. There's no doubt about that. They've got a very solid defence. They've only considered two goals all season. I think that was their fourth clean sheet out of five at uh, the weekend against uh, Sydney FC. Wellington are probably the surprise packets at the moment under Giancarlo Italiano. He didn't make too many off-season signings after taking over from uh, Orphan Tale, but they've uh, they've done pretty well. And tucked in just behind, you know, Adelaide United, who were uh, big winners over Western United at the weekend as well. Carl Beard always has a competitive team, uh, made up almost entirely of, of young players with a smattering of experienced heads thrown in. So they're going to be there or thereabouts. As you say, though, it's still only very early, five or six games in, long way to go. But uh, if I had to pick a team that's uh, you know, there for the Premiership uh, at the moment, I, I would certainly say the Wanderers, not just because they're top, but because, uh, as I say, they've got a very, uh, very solid defence. And if you want to see the team that's best in the comp, Friday night, Brisbane Raw and Western Sydney is uh, where the A-League kicks off this weekend. You've been pushing for promotion relegation for a long time, Simon, uh, on this network and uh, every other network you've been part of for the long time you've been part of the promotion of the game in Australia and you're finally getting your way. It's uh, going to happen. I'm not, not sure exactly when, but at least they've named the teams that are in the running for that second tier comp. 
Well, yes, we, we've we've learned the makeup of the second division, or at least the the first eight foundation clubs. Uh, there are probably going to be two or even four more uh, added before it kicks off in 2025. Um, promotion and relegation, of course, is the ultimate goal. It's not going to happen immediately. Uh, either either into the A-League or out of the national second division. Uh, it'll need a period of uh, solidification, if that's the right word. I'm not even sure that is a word, to be honest. Hmm. But uh, they'll, they'll need to you know, prove that it works. Uh, and then if it does and it's a success, then I think the argument over promotion relegation will come pretty quickly. And, you know, from my point of view, so long as it's sustainable, the sooner the better. I think it's it would be a, a great point of difference for our code in this country. It would uh, generate an awful lot of interest, not just at the top of the table, but of course down at the bottom where clubs would be fighting against the top. Uh, and that's what we need in this country. We need more meaningful games. I know they don't have it in the other codes. Well, that's okay. That, that's their problem. Um, but for our sports, you know, th- this is a global uh, phenomenon. And the sooner we have it in this country, the better. And I, I think we can, you know, we can blaze a trail uh, on on behalf of our game by doing that. But uh, first things first, let's get the second division up and running, which will start in 2025. Give it a couple of years to to, to find its feet, and uh, then let's start talking promotion relegation. Was it wrong to break with some of those old traditional ties, ethnic ties, if you like, when the A League was formed? And is it going to be kind of cool to have, you know, Preston Lions, South Melbourne, Melbourne Knights, Sydney Olympic, etc., um, you know, in the A League eventually? Well, look, I think at the time, um, it was probably a move that was supported by most people. I thought it was it was time for a fresh start. The old National Soccer League was moribund. And there's been a, a, you know, a fair bit of historical revisionism that's gone on in the interim. Um, I talked to a lot of people who, who tell me that you know, the stadiums were packed in the days of the old NSL, and that's not necessarily true. Now, it's, it's also true that the A-League has uh, you know, had some problems along the journey, certainly does at the moment. Uh, and in the short to medium term, I, I think it's time to unite the game. Um, you know, the new clubs have, have done a good job by and large, but uh, we could certainly do with, you know, some of that old school flavour and certainly some of their football know-how, uh, you know, that for, for whatever problems they may have had in the past, uh, the likes of South Melbourne, Sydney United, Melbourne Knights, Sydney Olympic, uh, Adelaide City, you know, they knew the game. They knew how to produce players um, and how to integrate those youngsters into their senior teams. They they are part of, you know, the bigger football story. Not the only part uh, of the history of the game, but uh, they're important. And, uh, yeah, we, we need to be united as a game. And too often we've been fragmented over the last 20 years. So I think this is a positive start towards that uh, reconciliation, if you like, and the sooner we have a fully interconnected pyramid with all the clubs involved, the better. And we lost Terry Venables as well, who uh, has a high standing in Australia's history and, uh, and world history. He does. Um, yeah, Terry Venables passed away at the age of uh, 80. A very popular figure, a very charismatic guy. I interviewed him once or twice many years ago. Uh, he was in charge of uh, Australia, of course, uh, in that ill-fated 1998 World Cup qualifying campaign. I guess there's still a sense of, you know, what if had they qualified uh, against Iran in 97, which really they should have done. Uh, it was at the dawn of that golden generation with the likes of Kuehl and Viduka and Lazaridis and Slater and all of those other great players from the past. But sadly, they didn't make it and uh, we'll never know. 
He went close to winning the European Championships with England the year before. Uh, he won trophies uh, both as a player and as a manager with Tottenham, with Barcelona. Um, he was an entrepreneur. He, he owned a nightclub as early as the 60s. Mm. He co-wrote a TV show for ITV called Hazel. Um, he was mm. so much more than just a football man, but uh, obviously that's what he'll be remembered for most. And uh, we'll miss him. He, he was a terrific guy, and his teams played terrific football. Kept you for a while today, Simon. Uh, appreciate you joining me long form. Uh, what's on the show tonight at eight before you go? Uh, we've got Mark Jackson coming on. He's uh, the new coach of the Central Coast Mariners. They uh, got off the mark finally in the F3 derby of the weekend against the Jets. Uh, there'll be one of my spiels about uh, the latest issues with the pitches in the A-League and uh, the oversized stadiums and the early kickoffs. Uh, and we'll have all our regulars. Spencer Pryor will talk a bit about Terry Venables, of course, Alicia Carnavas on the Matildas, and uh, Paul Williams with Football Asia. So another, another busy show at 8 o'clock tonight. Great to have you, Simon. Host of the Global Game, 8pm tonight across the SEN network, or you can download it in your spare time, anytime you like. Uh, we'll talk soon. I appreciate it. Cheers, Wayne. Simon Hill joining us, host of the Global Game. Lost in the wash time. What's been lost in the wash? We should have got to it by now, but haven't yet. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. If you've got a lost in the wash, things that we haven't discussed today we should have got to, like the NFL, if you like. I should have probably given you a few scores during the course of this Bears and Vikings game. If you don't want to know a score, then you better look away now. But uh, at the moment, the Bears look like causing a bit of an upset. They do lead in the last quarter. They have possession. And the Bears lead the Vikings 9-3. Bears came in with a 3-win, 8-loss record. Vikings came in with a 6-win, 5-loss record. Still 10.5 minutes to go in the last quarter of that NFL contest. Um, a couple of texts if you want to send them through as well. I'll read those out for Lost in the Wash. 0433981116. Is it crazy? Is it crazy that the AFL-owned Marvel Stadium is not available for the AFLW Grand Final, that it's not an easy switch. I mean, you could surely accommodate all those people that have bought Icon Park tickets to get to the, a, a good seat, reward them with a really good seat at Marble Stadium. Why is it that the AFL-owned... In fact, it's a why is it so, really. Why is it that the AFL-owned Marvel Stadium isn't available for the AFLW Grand Final this weekend? Is there something else on? I think they've shot themselves in the foot if you've got a thought on that, by all means, jump on the line. I'd love to have a chat to you about it while we're talking about footy. St Kilda has finalised its coaching panel for 2024 under Ross Lyon. So Brendan Goddard's been promoted to midfield coach. He was uh, playing a bit of a development coach role, but he's moved up. And Lenny Hayes, to spend a bit more time with his family, I understand, is taking a small step back and taking Brendan Goddard's development coach role and he's going to be, um, well, he's going to take that development coach role. Head of development, Damien Carroll, and VFL coach Jake Batchelor will work with Lenny Hayes in development. So Brendan Gale stepping up to Lenny Hayes' old portfolio and will become the midfield coach. Robert Harvey and Corey Enright will continue as assistant coaches overseeing the forwards and defenders retro- uh, respectively. Always great to have your company, Ford Dwayne's got a couple of lost in the wash calls and texts. Uh, one here, they just had the World Supercross Championship at Marvel. 
7,000 tonnes of dirt to remove. So that's uh, one reason being thrown up as a wise so that they're not moving it from Icon Park to Marble Stadium. Dwayne Icon is not up to standard anymore. Half the stadium is outdated and the other half is Carlton's performance. And a VFL grand final was deplorable. No food, uh, no beer after half time, and one gate to get into the place. That's from Craig. So uh, they need to move it. Big bash starts soon, Dwayne, which has the pitch already dropped in, question mark. Another one, big bash at Marble, preparing drop-in wickets. Uh, maybe that is the case. I think the weekend, uh, as in uh, WKND, the singer of you know Blinding Lights and Starboy, was due to perform, but it's been postponed from Marvel Stadium this weekend. So it is free. Tim in Brighton, welcome to you, Tim. You got a Lost in the Wash? Yeah, I think, um, Dwayne, Lost in the Wash has to be uh, uh, Netball Australia uh, and the players and the collective bargaining agreement and the threats from uh, Netball Australia for their equivalent of the Brownlow on the weekend for not turning up if they, you know, bringing out their contractual agreement. I mean, it, it, it is, I think, uh, quite complicated and messy and lost in the wash. So why, Tim, crowds are huge for the netball and they get a lot of eyeballs watching it. Why isn't the netball competition a more vibrant, um, profit-making organisation? We, we, we love the netball and, 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 and I can understand why they're getting good crowds. I, I think it's, you know, it, it, the players are, are doing an outstanding job and, and you know, they're, they're, they're still turning up week in, week out and the Diamonds, when they have to play, it, it just seems to be the top of the tree at Netball Australia that seems to be the, the, the stumbling block. So how are they going to fix it, Tim? Because uh, we've got an interest, obviously, with the Melbourne Mavericks taking part in the coming season. Here at SEM, we'll be covering it quite a bit. How are they going to fix it, Tim? Make it a profitable profitable and a more loved competition amongst those that are in it? Well, I mean, I mean, you could put Hutchie in charge, but, but jokes aside, I, I think they, mm. they need to be very careful because, uh, you know, they, they've got all the ingredients there and they need to reward uh, Netball Australia, uh, the players, for what they're putting up and, and, and the crowds that are coming in. And I think they, they need, without knowing the, the finer details, but they need to come to the party more than they are at the moment. Appreciate your call, Tim. Uh, we need more calls on netball. We need to talk more netball, and we probably will be. But uh, we need to talk about what the problems are right now and how they're going to be solved, because there are some problems, and boy, do they need solving. Appreciate your call, Tim, for a Lost in the Wash. Talking about some NFL, Tom Brady, the all-time great, talking to Stephen A. Smith about the quality of the NFL dropping this season. Here's Tom and Stephen A. on that. I think there's a lot of mediocrity in today's NFL. I don't see the excellence that I saw in the past. Why not? And ho- Why not? I think the coaching isn't as, as good as it was. I don't think the development of young players is as good as it was. The rules have allowed a lot of bad habits to get into the actual performance of the game. Mm-hmm. So I just think the product, in my opinion, is less than what it's been. I think I look at a lot of players like Ray Lewis and Rodney Harrison and Ronnie Lott and guys that impacted the game in, in a certain way, and every hit they would have made would have been a penalty. Mm. You hear coaches complaining about their own player being tackled and not necessarily, why don't they talk to their player about how to protect themselves? We used to work on the fundamentals of those things all the time. Now they're trying to be regulated all the time. Offensive players need to protect themselves. 
It's not up to a defensive player to protect the offensive player. A defensive player needs to protect himself. I didn't throw the ball to certain areas because I was afraid players were going to get knocked out. Mm -hmm. That's the reality. Wow. I didn't throw it to the middle when I played Ray Lewis because you knock him out of the game and I couldn't afford to lose a good player. Tom Brady on that, a uh, few of those thoughts reflective to the AFL world as well. And while we're talking about the NFL, here's Bill Simmons on the Denver Broncos making the playoffs and Russell Wilson coming over to them. I think they're going to make it too. It's, it's an old school Belichick team where they only do the stuff they're good at, right? Yep. Russ, who still makes you nervous if you're betting on him. Mm -hmm. And it always seems like he's about to commit a turnover. He's about to fumble on a sack or he's about to do something completely stupid. But he's got a little of that old dad on the golf course look. Like he'll mm -hmm. chuck it up to somebody twice a game and either the guy will catch it or the guy will drop the interception. I think he's, he's been okay. You know, I we thought he was washed up at the start of the season. He's been flawless fine. in the red zone. I don't think he screwed up yeah. once in the red zone. Been a little better this season, Russell has. Uh, Andrew McDonald also was on with Jared Whaley earlier today. We've played a few bits of Andrew McDonald, what the Australian cricket coaches had to say, but I haven't played this piece on the handling of player retirements as an overall issue and the timing of them. And there might be a few of those coming up in the coming year and two. Here's Andrew McDonald on that. How much thought goes into the succession and, and maybe the progression of retirement so that everybody doesn't go at once in a team that, that has a, a critical mass of players in their last three years, say? Yeah, there's an element of conversation. But the, the other thing, too, is that you, you never put a deadline on on players. I think people have speculated around Usman Khawaja and David Warner and Steve Smith and... Uh, no doubt they'll be having the conversations with, with their network and, and they're sort of having the conversation with us as well. Um, but I'm a big believer that you don't know when the end date is and sometimes players, when they get to 36, 37, start to hit the peak of their powers and we've seen with, with other um, players in other nations as well. So to put an end date on a player, I think, is a bit scary um, and there's no doubt that when the end comes, I think the player knows when it's the end and I think the... The difficult one for us was Aaron Finch. Um, yeah, that's that's a, seems like an eternity ago, but um, yeah, he came to us in Cairns and said, "I'm done." And I think the, the player, along with the the staff, to be able to navigate through that, and most importantly, the chairman of selectors is is a big player in that. Uh, to get that timing right, yeah, is critical. But I don't think there's anything wrong with having two or three changes as long as those players have been exposed um, to a quality of Shield cricket that that is there, and also Australia A, and they've been on tours, and and the team's not foreign to them. Andrew McDonald with Jura Bradley earlier today on SEN, and that whole interview is up for uh, your grabbing on the podcast. If you want to grab it on the podcast, as this show will be shortly, and our chat with Mitchell Stark and the chat with Simon Hill from earlier today, it's on the podcast. Quite a few texts coming through on Simon Hill. One here, good discussion with Simon Hill, Rick from Mooney Ponds, and another one here, perfect segment again from the GOAT. Amazing Simon, you can catch more of Simon at Eight o'clock tonight on the World Game, and whilst we're talking lost in the wash, uh, Tom Duday joined his new club, the Lions, yesterday, and he said some. Well, he's good for a lateral thought, Tom Duday, but he said this at the press conference yesterday when he was asked about whether he had a secret talent. Here's the ex-crow, new lion. 
and a bit of a weird one, but I'm, I'm really good at closing doors. Like, you know doors, how you can like walk, pull it, and then it like slowly like shuts perfectly. And so I said that as a bit of like a, a laugh, and I actually got a pretty good, pretty good response, which I was surprised with. And then I headed out there, and everyone was getting around me for it. So I don't know whether they were doing that just to make me feel good about myself, or whether it was actually quite funny. But it's more just around the house when you just. But yeah, I'm a bit of a weirdo when it comes to that stuff. So, um, but no, that was it. Yeah, no intro. So I, uh, I'll take that. Tom Duda on that. A uh, bit weird, but I uh, thought we'd give that a run as well. And Damien Harbuck, if you didn't hear Damien Harbuck yesterday, he talked about what success in 2024 looks like for the Gold Coast. Been a few texts about the return to training of a few teams today. We've read a few of those out. Here's Damien Harbuck for those who missed it yesterday on what success in 2024 looks like for the Suns. No, I think we're always in a hurry to make progress. Like we're, as I said previously, 17 other sides. Our aim is to make finals and challenge for challenge for premierships. And you know, with the side that we've got, we certainly think that's attainable. We've got some things that we've got to get better at, no question. But there's some things that this side already does really, really well. So, you know, we've got some young talent that we've brought in, but we've got some established talent, talent, sorry, that I look at in their first class. So, I'm really looking forward to myself and the coaching group be able to get our hands on them and mould them into the way that we wanted the Suns to play. A little bit more of Damien Harbick there. He also mentioned the academies yesterday. They've been a talking point for everyone. We might even talk more about it tomorrow because it looks like there might be an AFL tweaking of the academy system. But here's Damien Harbick talking about the academies and defending them yesterday. Well, I think it's just a celebration. Look, these four kids mightn't be in the AFL system without the academy. The investment you know, under, under Jared Cotton and his team is incredible, the amount of time and effort they put into it. And to be honest, it caught me by surprise how much work goes into it. And then to have four kids that have primarily grown up here to play our great game is incredibly important to the success of the AFL in general. So, um, look, I know there's always going to be people that will, will try and bring it down, but for the greater good of the game, it's incredible and an, an incredibly important part of the game moving forward as well. And, you know, I'm really excited about those four players and, and getting to show the, you know, the greater Australian population what these kids can do. Damien Harbick on the greater good. A couple of texts coming through. Ludicrous, the AFLW grand final. Isn't it marvel? Maybe the AFL still don't take the AFLW seriously. And another one here. They would end up, end up losing money. Well, I'm not sure they'd end up losing money. They should get a crowd of 25,000 plus at Marvel, you'd think for the AFLW Grand Final, given Icon is already a sellout, and that holds about 20,000. Um, Brady retires, and all of a sudden the NFL stinks. Thanks for that, Marsha, uh, as well. Need to take a break. So Zali Goldsworthy is going to join us. The AFL Rising Star won, won the award last night. On the way to the break, still raining at the Gabba in the Queensland WA Shield game. Renshaw still 37 not out and no play as yet in the Victoria SA game in Adelaide due to rain. The winner, uh, over to you, Harry. Thanks, Sarah. The winner of the 2023 AFL Women's Rising Star is Zali Goldsworthy from the GWS Giants. Welcome back to Dwayne's World. Always great to have so many of your calls and your texts come through. Always great to be talking some AFLW. Massive grand final coming up this weekend. North Melbourne and Brisbane playing in that grand final we've talked about a bit. But joining me for a McCafe Coffee catch-up, 30 days, 30 deals is back at Macca's, is the winner of last night's Rising Star Award at the AFLW Awards. Zali Goldsworth has been good enough to join me from the Giants. Welcome to you, Zali. Great to have you on. No, thanks so much for having me. Pretty exciting night for you, exciting night for all 
the girls last night, but uh, you were pretty excited with your award. Yeah, no, it was an awesome night. Um, had a lot of great people there, and, yeah, it was amazing. You liked getting it presented by Harry Sheasel as well. That was a nice moment for you. Yeah, definitely. I think any time we cross over with the men's space, I just get a bit starstruck. So, yeah. And you spoke extremely well last night. You looked at ease with it all, even though you're only relatively new to the game, obviously. And you've come into football like a lot of the girls with a bit of a choice of sports. What made you choose footy in the end ahead of, were you pretty good at soccer, I understand, pretty good at cricket? Yeah, I think that was just a better pathway um, with football, uh, you know, with the bush rangers and whatnot. Um, yeah, it was, a, it was a lot easier and obviously I could do it um, playing in Albury. And you were part of the Young Matildas and part of the Victorian Country Cricket Squad as well? Yeah, yeah. I briefly um, did a couple camps with those two teams and, um, yeah, it's taught me a lot. Um, really good. Um, I was learning under a lot of different coaches and got a lot of good experiences. So 13 goals for the Giants. They're leading goal kicker. And you had a fantastic season as a forward, but you got a lot of your ball at half-back and on the wings as well. So you love to run. I think you averaged about 80 possessions a game. Yeah, my um, my coach um, has played me a bit through the midfield this year and I've absolutely loved it. It was um, a really tough challenge. I'm going up against some really good players and, yeah, it was a fantastic opportunity and I absolutely loved it and I can't wait till next year. You were very strong around the ball as well. You don't mind getting your own ball in tight. You're pretty good inside. Uh, yeah, no, sometimes, um, yeah, you just got to go and do it yourself, I think. And um, I have a really great group around me. And, um, yeah, I'm lucky to play under people like Nicola Barr and um, Lee Parker. And your contested marking also was an asset. You were able to take when you got a good set of hands. So, And that does give you a little bit of a trick against some of the girls who aren't quite as good in the air? Yeah, I think I had a lot more confidence this year um, overhead and um, I felt a lot more confident in my body and was able to get a lot of separation that I was really happy with. So another strong year in the gym will do me good. Great to have you, Zali. Congratulations on winning the Rising Star and uh, can't wait to see you in action next year. No, no worries. Thanks so much for having me. Who wins the grand final before you go? North Melbourne, Brisbane this week, Icon Park. Um, I'd love North Melbourne to win. Um, it's been a while the Victoria team was up there. Um, so, yeah. Zali, thanks for joining us. We'll talk soon. Nice. Thank you. Zali Goldsworthy there from the Giants. From a cafe, coffee, catch-up, 30 days, 30 deals back at Macca's.